Welcome to Mike and Mike Theology Plus, the podcast where we talk about all things related to Christian theology. You get a head cold, you get a head cold, you get a head cold, everyone gets a head cold. Yeah, that's uh, about how I felt over the past week. Um, I was one of the last people in my family to succumb to a head cold. Maybe you can even still hear it a little bit in my voice. Um, But I feel like I'm just now, over the last uh, couple days, coming back to normal health and um, energy levels. So, this podcast that you're about to hear, which is mine and the other Mike's admonition for the new year, is delayed, and it's my fault. Uh, I just uh, did not have uh, the strength, energy, and fortitude to, to do this and all that we also need to do because we were traveling back home um, from visiting with family, um, so I didn't get it recorded before then, and then the trip home, and then the unpacking, and so here you have it. Uh, it's about a week late, but hopefully it's better late than never because the Mike and Mike's, we have um, some New Year's admonitions for you. I kind of already gave you some of my New Year's admonition um, in our last uh, special holiday episode for Christmas and New Year's, and this one's more pointedly at that. And again, this is a mashup of both of our ideas. And again, I don't know what the other Mike spoke on. He has sent it to me. It's there. I mean, it would be miraculous, maybe, if uh, both of us are speaking on the same... um, exact topic. It may be funny, maybe uh, disastrous, maybe it's uh, God's will th- if we're both speaking on it. But I, I, I doubt that we're both speaking on the exact same topic, but that'll be fun to discover. So in light of my head cold and in light of just the reality of uh, living in a fallen world with fallen people and uh, also living in light of a father who wants to mold us and to refine us, I thought I might speak on trials. And there are lots of different places in the New Testament that speak on trials. And what's basically universally uh, spoken about is that we can expect trials. Trials are what we should um, expect. We shouldn't be surprised by this fiery ordeal, was what Peter would say. Um, Jesus said, you know, in this world you'll have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So, um, if you have lived any amount of life, which I expect if you're listening to a podcast you have, you should come to expect the fact that we experience trials. And... Probably one of the most famous passages or books that deal with trials is James chapter 1. So I thought I would just read through some of these verses and talk about them uh, in light of trials and maybe how we can expect trials for this new year, 2019, and um, how we should prepare ourselves for them and how we should act during them and etc, etc. So uh, I'm just going to read a few verses, then talk, and then read a few verses, then talk. So this is starting in verse 2 after his greeting. He says, Consider it all joy. 
my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. All right, so James's first admonition for us is to count it all joy when we experience trials, and this is probably the complete opposite of what our fallen, normal, sinful, I don't want to have to endure anything nature would say. We don't want to count it joy when we're in a trial. Uh, we want to complain, and I'm putting myself in that we. Um, but the Word of God here, and in Hebrews 12, and in Romans 8, and all throughout, talks about trials being good for us, the believer. Um, Romans 12 would say, you're not a true son if you're not being disciplined by the Father. The, the Father only disciplines his, his children. And so one way we can know we are children of God is that if we are experiencing discipline. Uh, discipline so that we um, become more like him. And that's what Romans 8, 28, 29 would say is that um, he has our good in his glory in mind when we go through these th these tough times. Sometimes it's even evil perpetrated to, against us. It's not just a, a difficult time, like maybe a tough month with finances when we're having to look to him. Maybe sometimes it's actually moral evil. Maybe we are being wronged by um, someone. And God has promised that he's not surprised by those things. And not only is he not surprised by those things, but he can use those things for our good. And he tells us what that good is. It's our conformance to the image of his son. And that's what James is saying right from the get-go here, is that when we see a trial... We're in the middle of a trial. We should count it joy and we should let the trial have its perfect result so that we would be made perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Whenever I find myself in a trial and I can recognize it, sometimes we don't always recognize, oh, that we're in a trial. But when, when I do, I immediately start praying because I, I want the trial, just probably like you, the last, uh, as short as possible. I say, Father, help me learn what you want me to learn. Help me to grow how you want me to grow. Help me to become mature in the way you want me to mature. I want to learn this lesson now, quickly, not only so that I can have the lesson of the trial, but I also look forward to the trial ending and kind of skating on, on smoother ground. And so uh, the, the first thing is we should be looking forward uh, to what does God have for me to learn? How can I grow? How can I empty myself? How can I be more like Christ in this situation? Um, is there some character quality that uh, I need to take on? Is there some way I need to learn humility and, and selflessness? Is there some way I'm sinning that I need to learn how to turn some new part of my life over to Christ? Um, those are the questions we should be asking in the midst of a trial. Also, we should be asking, has this trial been brought about by my sin? Like, is this is a direct consequence or direct result of my sin? And if so, then obviously we need to repent of that sin and turn from it and ask God to help us with that sin. But not all trials are a direct result of sin. Sometimes they're just the facts of life. And like I said, sometimes they're um, moral uh, bad deeds done against us that bring it about. 
Verse 5 goes on to say, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Seems fairly straightforward. We're going into a trial. You may not have the wisdom to deal with the trial. If you don't have the wisdom and you recognize it, ask of God who gives to all generously. I think that's straightforward. I think the next uh, three verses are sometimes confusing to people. So I want to read them and talk about them. He says, but he must ask in faith without any doubting for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For the man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. I have heard some people try to say that these verses are saying that you must be, you must ask with faith that God is going to give you the wisdom. And if you ask, kind of doubting whether God is going to give you the wisdom that you need, then God may not give it to you. Um... And while that type of faith may be talked about sometimes, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 and 6, I believe it's the beginning of 6, I don't think that's what's being said here. And I think our clues to what James is trying to say it f- comes in the later verses. Um, For a man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. I, I believe what James is trying to say here is that... We need to have faith, not in the fact that God will give us wisdom, but in the fact that the answer that God gives us is the best for us. In other words, if you're in a trial and you're wanting to figure out how to deal with this trial in a godly way, we don't ask for God's wisdom on how to answer that trial or deal with that trial in a way where we're kind of double-minded, like, hey, I'd like to know what God says, because I may take that advice. I'm also looking at this business book, and I may take that person's advice, or I may take this person's advice. Um, That's where the double-mindedness that James is speaking of. When we ask for God's help in a trial, we need to be of one mind. I want God's solution. Now, I'm not saying that God's solution can't come from some book, or God's solution can't come from the words of a friend who is godly and, and, and knows the Lord. I'm just saying that when we ask for God's help, we need to humble ourselves so that we don't think that maybe we know better than God. God, I need your help in this, and I know that your ways are best. Your ways are higher than my ways. Um, so please give me your wisdom, and I'm going to step in through that wisdom. I'm going to take those steps when I get that wisdom from you. That's what James is saying. Don't be double-minded about it. Be of one mind, knowing that God's wisdom is the best um, once we give it. Now he's going on to say, But the brother of humble circumstances is glory in his high position, and the rich man is glory in his, in his humiliation, because like flowering grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and its flowering flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. I think the general practical thing that we can take from these verses is that that we have high and low positions. Some of us are richer than others. I live in America. Uh, if you're an American, which you probably are listening to this podcast, you should know that you are in the top 10% of the whole world. If 
you no matter where you are on the scale of other Americans, if you have working vehicles in a microwave and running water and and plumbing and a- AC and uh, heat and and a TV, you are unfathomably rich to most people. So I, I generally always put myself in the place of, of a rich person when reading anything because when I look across the world, we're all rich. I may not be, I, I not only may I not be, but I'm not rich when you compare myself, when you compare me to like uh, Oprah or to uh, uh, Bill Gates, but man, they're the top of the top of the top. We're j- but as an American, you're the top of the top. Um, so what's James saying to though, to the, to those of us who are rich? Well, he's saying that it doesn't last forever and we need to recognize that sometimes we're blinded by what we have and we don't see God acting. Um, and the fact that this is all going to pass away. And so we need to cry out, um, um, that God would you know, give us humility in, in these situations and help us to, to see God at work. And the brother of humble circumstances often gets to see God at work. Um, I think that's generally what he's saying. And I'm not going to try to, some of that, those verses, um, honestly, I, I find if I try to give you exactly what you, each one means, I, I think it's confusing. I think that's the general message of what's being said here. Um, verse 12, blessed is the man who perseveres in a trial for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God for God cannot be tempted by evil. And he himself does not tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren, every good thing Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. All right, so the last thing that James is going to talk about is when we are in trials, and we may be tempted towards sin, because some of our trials are trials of moral conscience. Are we going to withstand this temptation and be obedient and holy in the midst of this trial? And James is saying, when you're in those trials, sometimes it's easy to put the moral evil blame on God. And he's saying, when, when you're in those situations, don't give into that temptation to blame God for your temptation. Um, God does not directly tempt any of us. Uh, in fact, he's not tempted by evil, um, nor can he tempt us with evil. Now, that's not to say he can't withdraw his protection from us and allow Satan to tempt us. We clearly see that in Job. Um, so he, he may remove some of his protection from us and allow other evil beings, whether they're humans or angelic, to tempt us or to do wrong against us. He himself is never directly um, the cause of evil. And we can be bolstered up by that fact in that if we are his, the evil that he does allow us to experience is for our own good. But it's not from him. And in fact, sometimes he directly goes after those who perpetrate that evil. Um, 
and punishes them or, or, or deals with them, gives them disobedience or gives them uh, discipline. So, <clears throat> and you may say, well, how's that fair? He removed his protection, allowed them to do something. He used that in your life, but now he's going to discipline. Well, that's what we see with, I believe it was the Amorites who went after Israel um, they were like God's, you know, right hand in disciplining Israel, but because of the pride of their heart and they went too far and how they enacted evil, God then judged them. And so, um, that's how God works. Um, I think that's, you know, how he accomplishes his will in us. And, um, sometimes he uses evil for his, for good, but he's never directly the, the cause of evil. Um, but what, is the cause of evil is the lust is the evil desire in in our hearts and you could sometimes say in, in the hearts of angels but we don't even need to go to fallen angels because james just says hey uh verse 14 verse 14 but each one of us is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust and when that lust is conceived when we you know think of it it gives birth to sin and when sin is accomplished it ultimately brings forth um some type of death. Um, God is good. He's perfect. Every good thing that we have is from him. Uh, even our being able to persevere through trials is from him. And we are uh, a first fruit of his um, because we are being redeemed by him and he is working in us and through us. All right. So I think that's what the, the James passage is saying. And um, so in this 2019, you're going to have trials. When you're in the midst of those trials, be mindful. Hey, there's something God wants me to learn. There's some way he wants me to grow. There's some way he wants me to become more like his son. Pray that you would be able to see how to, to do that. And that um, you would uh, pray fervently and take that advice. You wouldn't be double-minded. And that you wouldn't be tempted to slander God in the midst of those trials. Um, also part of this, uh, new year's resolution, I, I just want to mention part, part, part of this new year's, um, admonition is to talk about resolutions. Uh, I'm sure if you made resolutions last year, you probably didn't meet them all. I know I didn't meet all mine. Um, it's not too late. Uh, just because you didn't meet a resolution last year doesn't mean that you've got to chunk that one and try to get a new one this year. Maybe you renew your uh, commitment and your fervor for that resolution. Um, I heard at our men's uh, group meeting last night that most resolutions people have stopped trying to do anything towards them by 12th January. Well, it's 8 January when I'm recording this. It should be uh, 9 or 10 January when you're hearing this, maybe 11 January, maybe 12 January. <clears throat> and so I think this is timely time for you to think about your commitments to doing better and to stay the course, get help. If you're trying to stay on track for Bible studies, if you're trying to, you know, do some weight loss, trying to discipline your body so you can be better mentally and spiritually, whatever your resolution happens to be, don't give up. We've all, we're often told it takes three weeks of doing some new habit for it to be uh, some new activity for it to become a habit. That's actually not true. If it's a very easy thing to do, it's less than three weeks. But if it's a very hard thing to do, it can be up to 90 days. 
for that new activity to become a habit. So um, stay at it. Come up with some ways that you can reward yourself. Try to, you know, uh, make a, a plan to, to keep your resolutions. And about resolutions, I just want to say in general, sometimes resolutions are of the nature you're getting rid of the bad and you're bringing, you know, in the good, you know, out with the bad in with the good. Um, and then sometimes your more advanced resolutions are out with the good and in with the best. So it's not that you're necessarily doing anything wrong, but you want to be more strategic. You want to be, uh, spend your time the best, not just that you're doing bad things and you, and you want to replace them with good things, but maybe you're doing good things, but you want to hone in on the best things. So just be mindful of, you know, what does God uh, want for you? How can you best serve your local body, your family, um, God's kingdom? And maybe uh, that's getting rid of some good things so you can focus on the best thing. Um, finally, uh, I would suggest if you don't already have some type of reading plan for the Bible. Um, don't if, if your plan is, hey, I want to have daily devotions, but you don't have any type of guide for that, there are plenty of Bible reading plans. Find one that you like and start doing it. And then my admonition is keep doing it. And most of them are some form of reading the Bible through the year. We took up as a family a reading the Bible through the year, F260. And guess what? We didn't finish it. Um, we still have some days left. You know what we're going to do? We're going <laughs> to finish it in 2019. We're not going to just pick up some new plan in 2018, we're, you know, reasonably close. We probably have, you know, 20 or 30 or less uh, more reading sessions, and we're going to finish out that plan. So another admonition I have for you, and I got this from Greg Kokel, is take some read the Bible in a year plan and finish it. Even if it takes you two years or three years, if you're moving slow through it, finish that and read through the Bible um, pick up all those important parts and then pick up a new plan and read through it. I think sometimes we arbitrarily get fixed to these dates. We start some plan by February. <laughs> We're getting into Leviticus and Numbers and, you know, it's difficult uh, type passages and we get behind and we just throw our hands up and we give up and then we spend, you know, 10, 9 months basically doing nothing and then another next year comes by and we find ourselves in Genesis again. Um, don't let that be you just stay at it. Uh, if you know, just keep at it, get through, if your reading plan, you know, has you in Leviticus and numbers and Deuteronomy, and those are not always the easiest passages to read. Although I think they're, they're good and they help teach us about what God has for us. Um, get through those and then keep, keep chucking. And if you get two months, three months behind, you know, that's fine. Just just keep reading God's word and, and be diligent to, to finish your plan. So that's all I have. Um, happy New Year's. Hopefully God has a lot in store for you in 2019. Hopefully you can become more like him. Uh, you can grow in your love for him and you can love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Happy 2019. Hey guys, this is Mike 2 of Mike and Mike Theology Plus. It is January 1st. 2019, and I am going to bring sort of a New Year's exhortation of sorts, I guess. Um, this year, I am 
trying to go through two different reading plans. One is a reading plan that I've only learned of recently, um, but it immediately struck me as something that would be quite beneficial and really ingenious. Um, just a system that seems designed to keep the reading fresh every day, to take you through all of Scripture so that you don't neglect maybe the harder parts. Um, you know, I, I saw a meme yesterday that said, hey guys, it's December 31st, you now have nine and a half hours to read 63 and a half books for all of you who quit in Leviticus last year. And if you've ever tried to read through the Bible in a year, you know that's pretty funny because Leviticus, um, at least the first time through, probably comes across a little bit dry. The more I read it, the more intriguing it is to me and the more I see how much the New Testament makes use of it. Um, but in any case, the, the system that I'm started on is the Professor Grant, I think it's Grant Horner's Bible Reading System. Um, as far as I know, he is a uh, professor at the Master's Seminary. And basically what he's done is divided the scriptures up into 10 different groups. All of the groups are different sizes. Um, group number one is the Gospels, and that is 89 chapters. Uh, group number two is the Pentateuch, and that's 187 chapters, and so forth and so on. Um, and what you do is you just read one chapter from each group each day. It's 10 chapters per day. And uh, if you're a math nerd out there, you may go, okay, well, the Bible's got about 1,200 chapters in it, so you'll read through the Bible in 120 days. Well, not so fast. Um, kind of the quote-unquote trick to this system is actually that you're going through the Scripture at different paces in different areas. Um, some of the shorter segments, uh, for instance, Proverbs is its own segment and Acts is its own segment. So you go through those sections actually once a month. Um, and then there's others that are about 80, some are 90. The Psalms is its own section, that's 150. So. Um, what I really like about this is if you do the math, if you kind of figure out that these are all kind of odd lengths, you end up never having the same 10 chapters side by side. I mean, I assume at some point you have to mathematically if you go through it enough times, but it's going to be a long, long time and maybe outside of any one lifetime before you go through the same 10 chapters again, side by side. Um, and I like that. I like that that is helping you to go through, get different pieces every day. Um, it, I, I've done a few days now, I'm actually 50 chapters in, and I'm, I'm somewhat surprised that I'm able to kind of keep everything fresh in mind and look at things side by side. And, um, you know, day two, I was going through Psalm 2, uh, which makes sense, right? And that was, you know, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? Well, day four, you go through Acts chapter 4, and they cite Psalm 2. 
And so it's really neat to be seeing some of the New Testament that is quoting out of the Old Testament and stuff that, wow, I just, I read that recently. And that's been very encouraging. So if you don't have a Bible reading plan or if you want one that's maybe a little more ambitious, um, I'm looking forward to being on this one long term. Um, Again, it's not really a read through the Bible, you know, once in a year, twice in a year or anything like that. This is just kind of an open-ended reading plan, but it seems to me like something that's going to be a really good idea and hopefully really beneficial. Now, one caveat I will say is um, the instructions that come with this are to read every day in the same paper copy of the Bible. And the purpose of that is to really help you get to know your scriptures very, very well. Uh, Not switching around from Bible to Bible and not doing it electronically, but having an actual physical copy that you go through. Um, And then, you know, you'll, you'll remember, hey, this verse is in this part of the page. And it just, it'll, I think, I, I agree that it's going to help really ingrain the scriptures to hide it, the word in our hearts. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. The other thing that I'm doing this year is my wife and I are going to go through a daily reading kind of devotional. Uh, it's the Early Church Fathers by Nick Needham. Um, if you haven't picked up yet from our uh, podcasts, I'm kind of a church history nerd. Uh, definitely not an expert, but it's a subject that I really enjoy. Uh, I recently went through a six-week Sunday school class that I was teaching at church. Uh, going to have another one, another six weeks coming up in the spring. And church history is just a topic that is um, something that, I, I, that it really interests me, but I also think it's highly beneficial, uh, particularly to see how did the church in the early years, the first couple of centuries, how did they view the scriptures? How did they handle conflict when it come up, came up? Um, how did they process? How did they think biblically, particularly in a culture that I think in many ways mimics a lot of what we're seeing today? I've, I've heard it said, and I agree, that our culture is kind of reverting back to a type of paganism that looks similar to what the Roman culture did uh, at the time when the church was born. Um, so I'm trying to get my wife involved and the, the Early Church Fathers by Nick Needham, it's a year-long daily reading. Uh, he goes through 12 different church fathers, uh, one per month. So January is John Chrysostom, February is Irenaeus, and so forth and so on. And you just get a little reading out of their works every day. Um, it's a, a small book. I, I read through a fair portion of it last year. Um, it's not that difficult to read. It's not highly advanced. Um, and it's very edifying. So those are the two reading goals that I have for this year. And if you haven't already settled in on what your goals are, I would encourage you to follow with me and, um, Hopefully, if you do, you and I will be encouraged by the Word and encouraged by faithful men throughout the history of the church who themselves knew the Word far, far better than I think we do today. So, 
Happy New Year. Uh, I hope 2018 ended well for you, and I hope that we are looking forward to 2019 with anticipation for God to do great and wonderful things in our lives. And thank you for listening to the podcast and making it a roaring success. We look forward to getting back onto our regularly scheduled broadcasts in the next few weeks. Happy New Year. You've been listening to Mike and Mike Theology Plus, the podcast where we talk about all things related to Christian theology. 